good morning. Welcome to According to Courtney. I'm Courtney West. I'm a full spectrum doula, childbirth educator, and doula mentor. And I'm here at According to Courtney. According to Courtney is a safe space where we talk about everything from black mental health, men mental health, how to fill your cup, sex, and everything in between. Today, I am so excited to have one of my favorite midwives come and join us and talk about her journey as in becoming a midwife and what experiences that can be for someone. So today, I'm so happy to have Zul with us. Hi, good morning, Zul. Good morning, Miss Courtney. <laughs> how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So Zul, anytime I have a new guest on, I love to always start out with three questions to just really center us into the space. First, I love to ask, what is your name? Meaning what's the origin of your name? Where are you from? Where are you from and where your people are from? And then three, what do you want? What information do you want to bring into the space today? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's only the three questions, right? Only the three questions. <laughs> Just in passing, like three questions. Um, so my name is actually Sulheil. Um, I am from Puerto Rico, uh, born and raised. And my name, my auntie heard it in the radio, in a show. Um, I think it was like a novella or something and she wrote it. And so my name is from Iran and is it's actually, I have the, masculine version of that name um i i as an adult i i find out this and the the feminine version is suhaila but i have the masculine version which is suhail and suhail is a constellation that happens every thousand years so this uh gentleman from iran told me that at least in his village and his I don't know if it's in all Iran, but they have this saying that when you meet a Suhail, it's someone that you meet once in a lifetime. Oh, that's so <laughs> perfect for you. <laughs> and so, yes, and then I'm from Puerto Rico uh, and I love my island. Um, and then the third, what, please help me, what I would like people to know. Yeah, what do you want to bring in the space today? What information do you want to share and put on someone's heart? to know about Zuhel? Um, I think for me, I've had a journey of perseverance, perseverance. Yes. And, um, and he, not, not in an easy way. Sometimes, you know, is people that have their North very clear, right? And I think for me has not always been the case. And that's why I, I, I want to share my journey and that that's why whoever hear me takes take that out of this you know that we have seasons in our lives that are not how we maybe would have chosen it to be but that doesn't mean that those seasons are going to derail us from what we want that's so beautiful so i want to like take a moment to hold space for zul because you always hear if you look on my social medias or anything about you know this is my favorite midwife and this is my <laughs> midwife very territorial over it. so i have to understand this is my sister from another mister when i started my doula journey in my city i've been doing it for a year and zul had moved here and she was still a student and we were at a meeting to each other and we looked at each other and she's like we're gonna be friends forever <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> and just like that we met and um you know just it was just an instant click and you know zul gave me my first platform to actually be able to speak about black maternal health in my own community and really set me forth on doing a lot of the things when it comes to speaking that i do now so uh, I was very privileged that we got to work together and have a team of with a black midwife and myself as a doula. And we had an amazing photographer. So to work together doing home births is really how I got my real start in doing home birth work was with Zool. So I'm excited to have her and it be full spectrum of, you know, she gave me my first start and then have her on my platform doing this. It's like, it's all the feels, all the good things. <laughs> so. I'm so happy to have you. So I want to start off with your journey is like, what led you on this path to do midwifery? So the short version was um, my first birth, the experience, how I felt after that birth. 
So I had my first child 20, uh, 19 years ago in Puerto Rico. It was, uh, for me at that time, it was a very traumatic experience. But the interesting, now, of course, I have the word for that, right? I didn't walk out of that birth thinking, oh, this was pretty traumatic, right? Mm -hmm. I, woke out, I woke out scared. I woke out thinking, wow, oh, my God, if this is how everyone was a baby, this is the experience. And a lot of things were done to me that, uh, that like I say, is it very sad um, from everything from I was trapped in a bed, from having a lot of medication because the doctor wanted to go back home in four hours without no anesthesia, about not being able to have my family and my friends and my partner with me. I was in a room with four other people uh, while at some point my doctor was eating a pizza next to me as I was um, throwing up out of pain and the amount of like... Uh, um, uh, drugs, which is a, a pitocin that he have put so that he could go home. And I'm listening to all of these conversations and ended up in a cesarean section um, that I, I felt and with my experience, that was unnecessary because everything happened in four hours um, so that he could be back home by 10 p.m. Um, and I'm hearing these conversations. Um, and then to... They put me to sleep for 12 hours. So I woke up, I saw my baby, I didn't hold it. And then I woke up, no belly. I didn't, I didn't even remember. It literally was 12 hours. My cesarean was like at 9.40 and I woke up around 9.30, no belly. My family wasn't there. I had no baby next to me. Um, it was a storm. So half of the hospital had no electricity. So I woke up because it was no electricity and the drops because it was AC, right? So the drops of whatever that accumulation, right? Of that, that liquid was falling in my, in my head. And so I, that was a yeah, pretty, you know, I was like, this, this seems pretty horrible. You know, people ask me, oh, how was that? But corny, that wasn't even what made it and I found out through the years traumatic and what made me want to go into this field thinking like with the desire of like this shouldn't be the norm is the normalcy of it. That I finished that birth and then I was telling my story to my cousins, to friends and the response was like, wow, really? Let me tell you what happened to me. And then the bonding was over one horrible story after another horrible story and then how you really are okay after that so the message was it's pretty horrible that's just what it is you're gonna be okay just like you have your baby you're alive you're good and i know that's not unique to to puerto rico at that time or to other countries you know that culture of like this is just what it is you know and i think that was the part that led me to this journey right that through the years talking to people me me uh completely committed to say i'm not gonna have i'm gonna have another baby and i'm not gonna have that experience i ended up not having another baby at that time but falling in love with everything with childbirth, with midwifery, with doula, you know, with all the concepts that we really bring, uh, that we really bring to what is uh, bringing a human to the world and, and what we want to take, like reclaim out of the system. That's so hard <laughs> and it's so beautiful that you chose to take that pain and go through that because yes those are some things that you hear about having birth over here on stateside but not like that we're not in the space that we're being strapped down to beds all the time and waking up in twilight sleep you know mm -hmm. that's not what we're doing here but to know that is your experience it's very traumatic and it is the same bond of it's okay yes it was bad but you lived you have yeah. your baby, have your so baby. it's okay. And then for and that is the bond. The bond is trauma. Well, I'm, it happened to me too. It's okay. That's part of it. And it's like giving birth in motherhood in in cultures, our cultures for Black and Brown especially, is trauma. You're a mom now, and guess what? It's traumatizing. You had a baby. It's traumatizing, and it's normal. 
is normal. Is what being in a way is this concept of uh, this is this is what it means to be a woman. Yes. Yes. And that's why um, I do have to say, Courtney. That's why for me the word woman is very important in my life in my culture um not to say that i don't i of course i i um i i am an inclusive provider i'm an inclusive person but for zul for me the word woman carry a lot because of especially coming from my culture is a lot of things that means Oh, well, that's just what being a woman means. Absolutely. I completely understand my growing up too is, you know, being a woman in our household was you had to carry the pains and the burdens and the hearts and everything. No matter how bad the world is, you're a woman and it's your job to take it and to smile and raise these babies and take care of your spouse and your man. That's your job because that's what women do. So... I completely understand it. So after this really traumatic birth, and you said it led you in the process of work, becoming a birth worker or, or midwife, what did you do first? Like, what were your, where, what was your process in that? So my process was to watch a hundred births a day with my three-year-old, right? And like, whoa. Um, and then, um, then I, it was really interesting then going through a divorce and and remember and going through the divorce and then having a birthday and saying what will i want for myself and then enrolling in a doula workshop um but it didn't stay there it's interesting corny is like for me it raised a lot of questions so that's why as you know like I have taken, I took three different doula workshops. It was like getting that information. It was almost like therapy. Like I know I was taking a training, but a lot of the things were, it was like someone was speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to know more. So I went, I became a doula. I became then a lactation educator because that was my salvation. I remember that for many, many years. And that's why uh, cesareans, I can uh v-backs you know v-backs man uh, uh, families mean a lot to me because i then it, i carry for many years that feeling of my body doesn't work mm-hmm. and um and then the only thing that i could do was breastfeeding and at that time no one had breastfed in my family so it was a challenge not because they didn't want it but they didn't know how to support me mm-hmm. and it was this you know like oh just give her milk like why are you really why are you making this hard on yourself and then i continue continue and i remember it was this one person in the week this this woman lactation consultant that will volunteer time two people she that helped me and then a friend of my mom that will call me every day over the phone i have never met her until this day and every every day she's like you can do this and she will talk to me she will talk to me until i was able to breastfeed so for me i remember i never forget that was the healing when i went to the pediatrician um i think it was like three weeks later of course because after the cesarean and all of it you know i went three weeks later and the pediatrician was like what milk are you using and i said me and the baby was huge you know the baby had gained at that time i think it was like like two pounds it was like something I soup my baby was very impressive and she's like no no, no. let me repeat this again. what milk are you using and i said my milk and i touch my boobs and i say i'm breastfeeding her my milk and she stopped and look at me and i i don't think i have ever been looked at that with that sense of like she was so proud of me like like if i did i don't know the most impressive thing that if i was getting the nobel prize you know like here is your nobel prize and i remember that pediatrician she was young she didn't have children at that time and she was a lactation consultant but never really had worked with many people that breastfeed so um so that was really important to me i felt i'm like for me for me that journey was it didn't have to be if, it, if i was like tall or short beautiful or not smart or not i had a birth or not i did something that no one could give me but no one could take away from me so that was really special for me through the years so i became a lactation um counselor which was one of my passions then a childbirth educator 
Um, and then at some point, then I moved to midwifery. It was interesting because I went to this one of my thousand like doula trainings. Um, they did an exercise about bias and about knowing your bias and knowing what you're in in, a, in birth work. And I find out there, that they they challenge us. They are like, are you here because of trauma? Because you had a bad experience and you don't want anyone to have that. If you are, it's nothing wrong, but you really need to go past that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing they did for the people that have beautiful bliss births, home births, right? That thing of like, are you here because you had this amazing home birth and then now you think that everyone needs to have that bliss birth? Well, what about if they don't? Mm-hmm. What about if they don't want it? Are you still going to be able to support them as a doula? And and so that was that was whoa, that challenged me a lot, and and I was like that. So one day it felt right, and um, I went to a conference. Then I met an indigenous midwife in that conference, and I I moved with her for ten months. Wow, that is amazing! So you went from I'm going, I'm being a doula to meeting this amazing midwife in conference, and just said I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go just in indoctrinate myself in this so you just moved into it i did i did i mean i did work for a few years in all those um in, in all those i wore all those hats differently um at that time i was in los angeles and then that's another part that actually i was i'm also a professor and yesterday i was talking with my students about being bringing the community community factor to what you do and I was introduced to that I was working in a clinic in um so central uh with mainly black community immigrant community from Mexico Guatemala Salvador and then learning oh I in my head I'm like everyone's just gonna love this right like I'm gonna do my little class and talk about love and about breathing and about all my things and it really didn't work like that. I remember like, I'm like, I'm gonna do my little breastfeeding class. And then this client, this patient called me and they're like, so um, you have a class. And I remember it was the wife of a gang member and she refused to come to the clinic. My boss allowed me to go there. She stayed in the car outside. I had to call when I get there. I was escorted to the room to see this woman. Um, it was like, okay, I'm quite scared. This, this is not like what I study on in my really beautiful rooms with like sage and incense and love. Um, it was like a lot of learning, a lot of faces to who I am today that didn't look like when I started. So that was a big one and one that changed my life. And then, yeah, so then after that, I went to that conference and I met that midwife and I'm like, I need this. I need the raw version of what I want to do means. And he did. He gave me the raw version of that. And then I said, well, now I want to go to school. And then that's how that process started. So what was your school journey like? So like how long did it take you to become a midwife? And what did your midwifery school journey look like? So I do want to do a disclaimer. For me, it took... I want to say probably like seven years. You can go to it. It looks differently for everyone. I am I'm a dean. I will tell you this later. But I'm a dean in a midwifery school now. And I'm a professor in another school. So every school is different. Usually the journey is anything between, I want to say, three to five years. You know, especially when we have family. Especially because outside of getting... Um, getting the experience with birth outside of the hospital. Sometimes it can take a lot of navigating. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I was I was around 10 months with, uh, with Miss Angelina. Um, she's a mentor in my life. And then I left there and I said, okay, I want something different. I want this. But in that particular time in LA, there were only one one group uh, and they were very sweet, you know, but one, everyone was Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Right? And I knew I wanted, except like one midwife, but she already have her students. So um, I started researching and that's how I found my my beloved mentor, Jenny Joseph. Mm-hmm. Jenny Joseph is a black woman, a black midwife that really dedicated her life to, um, she's, she's not from United States, but since she moved here like 40 years ago, 40, 40 plus years ago, she saw this, she saw the crisis in the black community. Um, 
and she and she took that she overtook that and she is i want to say the first person that really made midwifery community midwifery in my eyes right Absolutely. you have to navigate not the let's put a song let's put a this when now you're navigating pain people that are in the street people that have been abused people that never heard about this concept so um jenny had a school so i moved to florida went to jenny's school for a t for around a year or so um but as as many people will know and student midwives you know i had my family in la so it was really hard for my family so then i had to go back so i ended up um going to national college of midwifery for around three years and plus um in los angeles traveling here and then subsequently moving to uh florida and because of uh, because it's no reciprocity having to go back and do another year in florida uh and go back again to jenny school so i went to two midwifery schools and i'm licensed in two different states and it was hard it was really hard it was really hard and i don't think it's ever easy to any student regardless your color regardless where you are but when you add the piece of my the color of my skin my culture you know i'm, I'm hispanic um it was really hard it was really hard to be in different spaces where i was never necessarily um you know i receive a lot of love but it will it, it took also a lot of navigating with the people because um it was it was a chug like i would be with um like caucasian people white people and and many people were sweet other ones were not right because they're like i hire a white midwife like someone that looks like me right which we all want right mm -hmm. And now you have me. Um, I will work with many Black people. I have to learn about the Black community because we are a Black diaspora, but we all have different ethnicities. So I had to learn so much about the Black community. That is the community that I, I love all communities, but the Black community is the community that is like when you create a sisterhood where it's like, okay, now can you please adopt me in your tribe as well? Mm -hmm. Right. And, but I had many black people that were like, are you black? You're so funny. But like, like you're black, but you're not black. Um, and again, it was that navigating of that. And um, and then the Hispanic community. Right. I'm Puerto Rican. Now I'm in L.A. working with a community that I that, that is also is my beloved community. Um, but that we we had different struggles. You know, I work with people that were immigrants, that were scared, that were scared of Sadula to go to the hospital and thinking, will they call immigration of me, Mira, right? And I, and you, I will think like, well, we speak the same language, we have similar culture, but it's like, I don't go through that. I have an American passport because Puerto right. Rico is an American territory. So it was so much navigating and, and thinking, and for a long time feeling like, like I never found my place. You know, until I opened my own clinic um, and I was able to create a space uh, along with a team of people, which you were part of the team. And that, that was something that I recognized since the very beginning, that we cannot be the all for everyone. Right. And that's really important. And if, if again, like if someone sometimes you listen to someone and it's just a few things that will that will resonate with different people but it's really important to walk in humbleness and to check our our egos our heart our love you know yeah i may would love to be my everything you know to someone because i have that intention but i'm not i'm not so um i think when i i opened my practice and it didn't happen as smoothly as i wanted to it was that navigating or what do I need so that I can really operate from a safe space for families. Absolutely. I love that Sophia's put in. It's so crazy that the education and licensing is so different in each state and it makes it difficult to immediately transition right into doing the work you spent so many years to bleed. That's absolutely true because licensure is different and every state is set up differently. Like it's beautiful that you can work in two states, but you can't do it like that everywhere. So for everyone, can you explain to them what type of midwife you are? Yes. So um, 
So I am a community a community midwife, what is called like a CPM, certified professional midwife. So in the world of midwifery, we have three different categories. You can be a nurse midwife. Nurse midwives go and they study as a nurse and then they do a specialty in midwifery. So nurse midwife can work at the hospital, can practice at the hospital in a birth center or at home. If they, if it's their wish, depend on their state that they are. Then we have what is called CM. Um, that is also another kind of midwifery that is not in, in all the states. And the same, you go to, to university and is a form of like direct entry midwifery, but you can work in a hospital. And usually they will work in hospitals. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have a certified professional midwife where we are not nurses. We is a direct entry program. And when we mean by direct entry is that when you start school, all your curriculum is geared that geared that fertility, pregnancy, intrapartum, postpartum, um, well, woman, um, well, person care, and then um, and usually someone, usually not someone with a CPM credential will work either at in a home birth or in a birth center or both. Is mm -hmm. many people that have a birth center and will practice in both. Now that being said. Each state has a different regulation. So you just you cannot just become a CPM and say, okay, I'm going to Florida and I'm just gonna do what I do. Um, you have to go and, and go through the process of whatever requisites are in Florida. And once you do that, you have to pay for the licensing, and that makes you a licensed midwife. Mm -hmm. in any particular state that you are. So that's why when uh, our, when you see our name, I will put CPM LM. Mm -hmm. No, I am certified here. Um, so that is my, that is my, uh, the kind of midwife that we are. And then they are schools where you can go for all of it. You can go to a school for, to be a nurse midwife. Mm -hmm. You can go to programs to be a CPM, a certified professional midwife. Um, it's also people that decide not to be licensed. They are states that are not licensed. Like in my case, like you were saying, like I, I'm licensed in California in Florida, but I'm from Puerto Rico and I'm part of the legal community in Puerto Rico and in Puerto Rico is illegal, meaning it's not legal, but it's not illegal. Mm. There are other states that are plainly illegal. Um, so it is still in America, not everywhere, but it's still traditional midwifery, um, especially in the South. You get a place like Atlanta in Georgia in many places is traditional midwifery. Um, and in different in different communities, in the black communities, indigenous communities, um, main, you know, mainly, I want to say mainly. Um, and, and then that is another area, right, mm -hmm. uh, of midwifery um, and a choice that people decide, hey, I don't really. Uh, and that comes, you know, is a choice and right. the state that you are carry some consequences. Um, yeah. And then um, I do have to add here that it is a lot of, it's another concept that the last few years have taken a lot of, um, uh, it's just very, very, uh, you will see it in social media in many communities, is the concept of free birthing. Um, as a midwife, yeah. we do not subscribe to that. And it's really important for me to let clear that that is not part of midwifery. Um, that a lot of people that do free birthing, free birthing as an essence, I absolutely support it um, and, and believe in it. And it's beautiful. Free birth, as I knew it when I started as a midwife, there were families that families, families that decided to educate themselves and say, I want to have the baby on my own for many reasons. Maybe they didn't have a skilled provider. Maybe they really wanted to do that. But it was their families doing that by themselves and educating. The last few years, we have doulas that are going outside their scope of practice to offer home birth when they do not have this education to back that up and when it's not legal. It's, that is called, in my book, uh, Practicing Medicine Without License. 
Absolutely. It's not traditional midwifery. It's not a lay midwife, right? Which those are people that really, they are midwives. Lay midwives are midwives. Traditional midwives are midwives that are equipped to do what they do. Um, now, doulas walking outside of their space and their scope of practice and offering home births uh, is a different story. Absolutely. And let's, I want to make sure that people really understand what traditional midwives or lay midwives, as they put them, have been studying for years. This is something that has usually been passed down generation to, through generation in their families. So this is not like someone just woke up and said, okay, I'm going to do a birth today. This has been usually years and years of study. And this is what their grandmother did and their aunts do. So it's very entrenched versus having someone like myself, who is a doula, who has been doing this work and, and has worked as a birth you know, birth assistant and everything else still doesn't mean that I'm equipped to do a birth on my own. That is not what my education has been in. That is not what we are taught as doulas. We're taught about dealing with the emotional, the psychosocial, the economic pieces of how to take care of a family and to support our midwives, but not to be the midwives ourselves. So, you know, it's very clear. I love because people don't always understand the difference of all the different types of midwifery modalities. And a lot of times families don't know. And so they'll meet a doula and say, oh, I can do this for you. I can do your birth and you don't have to have your midwife. I can do it all for you. Yeah. That's a huge red flag. You know, you don't have to. That's that's not safe. So I see how Sophia asked on here. So mid, lay midwives are not licensed. So, a lot of them, no. No, no. Lay midwives, uh, no. A lot of lay midwives, especially, like, let's say, if we take the, yeah, pretty much that's what lay midwife means, you know, that you were practicing and maybe you were practicing for many years, and at that point, it was not licensing, right? And you already have been doing this for many years now. A lot of lay midwives at some point decided to get licensed when the licensing opened in their state. Mm -hmm. um, other midwives didn't. And, and it still doesn't take anything from me. A lot of, you know, we hear them as granny midwives or grand midwives at that time had been doing this for so long. Many did get licensed, but some did not. And that doesn't take away from who they are and the knowledge base that they have. But a lay midwife is still very different than a doula who's doing, um, we you'll hear sometimes called birth keepers, doing birth keeper work. Yeah. And so if you have a doula or have a birth keeper approaches you saying to do all your your you know your birth work it's important to ask questions because a lot of times i've seen families hire a birth keeper thinking they're doing the right thing they're not understanding what that all entails to it so um i'm so thankful that you like share that process and that journey with you and then i know how you mentioned how you mentioned you opened up your own midwifery services uma midwifery we love that yeah. and i want to you know really touch on what were some of the challenges of moving to florida and this is you know where i met you in your journey of moving to florida and specifically moving to st petersburg florida which has its own intrinsic rich history in the black community to come to here from california from puerto rico to come here to open up your space in st pete doing this midwifery work and this type of care what are some of the challenges or I mean, what was your journey with that? i'm trying to not put it like, that. This front. No. like what what was that like for you um it was extremely hard i think it was extremely extremely it was it's one of the hardest 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 things that i've done and journeys that i have navigated um uh, as an everyday journey, as an internal journey, um, the biggest challenge here was race. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm black. I'm the darkest in my family, you know, not in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is a mix of like backgrounds and cultures. Again, we are a diaspora where, you know, where you have the black diaspora in Puerto Rico. We had the Taino Indians, our natives, and then we you have the colonizers from Spain. So if you look at us, Puerto Ricans come in all the colors. Now, that doesn't mean that um, that racism doesn't exist, right? I'm the darkest in my family, and I have always been really aware of that. But at the end of the day, we all speak the same language. It's an island, you know, like, so we, we do what we do. Then I went to California 
And yes, I started learning about race in America and, and all the nuances, everything, you know, slavery, how long, you know, how in Puerto Rico, slavery ended a long time ago, but that wasn't the same thing in America, right? Mm -hmm. So it was navigating race there, but still is a big city, is California. I had clients, I have friends, all colors that love me, supported me, respect me. You know, and then I come, I come to, to Florida and first of all, midwifery is not necessary. Um, I don't know if the word is developed, right? Again, mm -hmm. Los Angeles is a wealthy city where you have many midwives that are charging or they understand that it's fair to charge and getting that right, right. from the community. Now I come here and is not the same here there are a lot of birth centers that are not necessary a lot of community midwives working solo um it's different it's a different type of community that people that are in medicaid midwives that are really not receiving at that time i think that they have changed maybe the the compensation Absolutely. that they thought that they needed so that i think played a big part in i want to say in dynamics here uh -huh. um and then uh I, then race, race. Every single midwife here was white. You know, still in my city, um, I think now it's one more. You know, now it's one more person. But I, I'm, I'm the only. You know, I was the only one uh, black midwife and Hispanic. Let alone, I mean, me and three counties more, right? Like Tampa. Right. Um, then Jenny is in Orlando, and then we get more in different cities, but. That was huge, Corny. That was huge, like the sense of isolation, the sense of like navigating dynamics that that felt really um, that I didn't understood, and that felt like that felt wrong, but that I needed to navigate no matter what. And sometimes I did it with grace, and other times I didn't. You know, having a mentor that really I didn't mentor a, a, a preceptor that that she's a you know she was a great midwife she's not practicing anymore as a midwife um she was a great midwife but definitely we were not aligned mm -hmm. um or and i wasn't aligned with what i have learned in the past as you see like i've had all of this experience by the time that i came here i already had two black mentors right two midwives that i love and admire um i already had another baby mm -hmm. and had my feedback so i already had seen the beauty of midwifery at its best you know in every areas whether you're supporting the community whether you're working with people that are affluent like all of it how midwifery work in different worlds so florida and san pete was a whole different animal for me and um and it was like a lot navigating that with a lot of confusion um because like you and me have talked many times you know it was not just navigating one community mm -hmm. right um we were navigating let's say the the white community that until today i mean i just i transition i'm doing other other things so i closed my practice two months ago until two months ago and five years here my practice is 95 brown right. not because i'm choosing it to be brown but because the white community here, if you have two people, they're not. If you have a white midwife and a black midwife, they won't even as much as call me for an interview. Right. I don't even get a fair chance. It's not like oh, I know Zoom. So a lot of the white people that have been my clients is interesting. Are people that are how you say this in English? Tra transplants. Yep. That have moved here and that are from Colorado, from a big city. From mm -hmm. California, from Colorado, so they're like, sure, sun is great. Oh my God, New York. Um, and and I get that time and again, time and again. I'm like, when do you move here? Oh, we moved here six months ago. We moved here a year ago, and that have been very, very hurtful to me. I can count the clients from here, some Pete, or even from from Florida that have hired me white families. And I think three in yep. five years. I mean, call me three. Yep. Where yep. we live in a city that is so small, where there are not even like that many midwives, they're going to go out of their way to go a midwife from Tampa, but they will pass pass by my picture, you know, like my my website, and and that was very um, painful. It was mm -hmm. very painful. 
old because I grew up until I moved to San Peter. I thought, if you really come with the education, if you come with the skill, the education and the willingness to do what you do, it shouldn't be a problem, right? I already have been in this world doing this. By the time that I moved here, I was already um, in the birth world for 12 years. Yeah. It wasn't new for me in any way. So I, it wasn't even a thought in my mind that that was going to be that hard and it affected me. It affected my family, my children. Um, but um, I had people like you that really stand by my side. I mean, the other day, my partner was saying, I remember when I met Sue, And they were like, all of them were together with their kids. I remember it was you. It was a, a beautiful friend that, that used to work with us at the moment, Bianca. Um, and she was Puerto Rican. And we all, I mean, we had no money. I mean, like, and my boyfriend was reminding me this. We will all meet with our children and a pizza. And one will bring like one bottle of something or wine or rum. <laughs> Friday, because that's all we had. Yeah. I mean, at that time, I had to make a package so that everyone could get paid. But that means that all of us will get paid a little bit, right? Um, and then again, equally, now we're dealing with the, the community, the brown community that have been so abused and distrustful or the system. And at the same time that they didn't have money to pay us, right? Yeah. And I hear, hey, I deserve to be paid. I need to pay my rent too. And they want in our services and how many births we did for free or help families. So it was really, it was, it was really a hard time because everything just seemed hard. Even when we were helping people, you know, we know we're helping someone, right? We know right. this is great, but they don't know that. Right. And I, and I feel like that was the hardest part with doing this work and this, you know, it's crazy when the, the, the newspaper wants to put you on the top front page and do all of this, but not paying us for our yeah. time. You wanted our stories. You wanted our, our trials and tribulations of what we're doing, but we're not getting paid. Yeah. We're or, doing the it. or the families are paying. Right. But they want our services. Like we're calling, we're like, black women are dying in the hospital. Please help me. I'm scared to go to the hospital. And he's like, what, what do you do? And then again, because midwifery here is not integrated, it's like, okay, here I am doing a birth for $500 that my counter white midwife is getting paid $5,000. Right. And then not only you're getting that birth, then you have a team that we're having to split $500 to, split, to, to just make it. And we're doing it out of heart space. Yeah. Not but what that takes at it. So at this time, we're going to take our break and we're going to go do our music for the week. And we're going to come back and talk about what are you doing now? I love it. Let's do it. All right. Great topic. Everything is amazing. I'm loving it. And today's show is going to be sponsored by Blast Radio 247. If you are looking for independent music, you can go to Blast Radio 247. And our Blast Artist Spotlight today is my man Elijah Rosario, and this is Two Hearts. Check it out. time with no facts just all opinions truth is baby this time is all gifted every moment with you around girl i'm winning alive and so lifted yeah don't want to live my life with a mask on or make it seem like every lesson should be a sad song i put it all in perspective we got a right to be reckless let's take a chance on us give this a try really test our love see where it goes see how we end up you can be mine forever How to trust. You 
came into my world, opened up my eyes, showed me I'm enough. And I can't deny or describe how I feel. One thing I know, girl, this feeling is real. If you're down for the ride, reaching new heights, I got an idea we can try. Just take a chance on us. Give this a try, really test our love. See where it goes, see how we end up. You can be mine forever. We can't feel no stress. What tomorrow brings, but what happens next? You ain't gotta worry, girl, I got your back. I'm always here whenever. We all need a love that can make us feel like home. Elijah Rosario with two hearts. And if you are an independent artist or a spoken word poet or even an up and coming comedian looking for some exposure, you can go to blastmusic247.com and register for free. But Blast is also looking for the fans. For you guys that love great music, you can also go to blastmusic247.com and register as a fan for free and have access to hundreds and hundreds of independent music. Blast, changing the industry one artist at a time. All right, ladies, back to y'all. Thank you so much. I always love the do- different artists that we have. That was an amazing song. So yeah. I want to just like recap what you talked about is like, you know, about what a hard time it was and just, you know, being in this city and, you know, doing the work and getting recognition, but not getting the paid and the need for this. And also, you know, hold space to give you your flowers. It's my show. I can do that. And yes. just to be like, you know, working side by by side with you and watch the hypocrisy of this community of how white midwives did not only not support you, but try to degrade you in the process, mm-hmm. try to destroy you in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, even people from the community try to destroy you from the process mm-hmm. because not knowing how you fit and where you fit and also being on this side of it, knowing also that they're intimidated about what you come with and what special you brought. Cause I can say from the many families we work to together, how loved and how much they appreciate you, but had to look at themselves and look at their own biases because a lot of these people, I worked with other births with them and called them on that. So I can say working together, I we've done that. And to know that you deserve your flowers and we are thankful for what you have given to this community. And it's not easy. People don't understand what it's like to be a midwife or a birth worker when you love your community and you are you can't eat off a of hope. But we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and to understand that, because people think that we're in these platforms and he's like, oh, you must make all this money. It's like, uh, no, we work three, four, five, six different jobs and trying to feed ourselves and our sisters to be able to continue to do this work so that we continue to exist and it takes a real particular type of person with a lot of spice and a lot of strength to be able to do what they do so i love that you're still here and that you haven't given up and to really kind of focus into who are you and what you're doing now i love it thank you corny so in my case, and I do, I do, I think this is the part where for whoever is listening, that's the part that take the inner work. So I, it was that at that time, it came a moment where I recognized I cannot longer continue living like this, right? Because you give, you give, you give, but then you become an empty well, right? And then when that happens, that's a problem because you're not offering now what you really want to be offering or you are suffering by it, being affected by it. 
So in my case, um, it was a deep inner journey that took, I want to say, a year, a year and a half of questioning many things, you know, midwifery, my journey, where I was living, what I was doing, um, my community, right? And then you have to, you can do that, but then at some point you have to stop because it is almost like a fork. And from that fork, either you become bitter and that's who you are. And then you keep practicing like that you know, which, he, and which then you become someone that is really not the best version of yourself. And that's where I was. Um, and, or you then, uh, it's almost like rebirth yourself and say, okay, recognize what you have in your heart. Okay, I love midwifery. I love the community. How I can make an impact or now how can I be in my community without without my soul being broken. And that's when I started moving to education, right? And then believing this part of like, no, we do need more midwives. We do need more doulas, you know, or doulas that can do their job without having to do three other jobs, right? As we know. Um, and that's when I, that dream started coming in my heart. And I, every day, every day, every day, I woke up at 5 a.m. And I'm like, I think I want to do my later school. I'm going to do a school of continuing education. And for three years, I worked in that. I opened a continuing education school for midwives, for doulas, that is bilingual. And that also reflects uh, different um, different professions. So you can take a class from a nurse midwife, a, tradi a traditional midwife, a nurse, a doctor, a doula, all of them different colors, different ages. So something that reflects our world or the world how I see it, right? Mm -hmm. And I was offered a teaching position in a midwifery school, which again then opened my heart to say, wait a minute, I can still midwife but now I get to midwife, midwives, baby yes. midwives, the ones that are going to be my future colleagues. And, you know, Courtney, that's really where I found my calling. Mm -hmm. Because um, I, I can tell you that's another part also that we sometimes have to recognize. It's not giving up in our dream. Sometimes you have to recognize, am I doing what I'm doing in a safe environment? safe for my community, safe for myself, and safe for my children. And I couldn't give you a yes. I didn't have, I, I didn't have, you know, I, I was looking for more midwives in my case, someone, you know, people to work with me in my practice so that I could get a break. That didn't happen for a space. There were many things where I really couldn't continue to do what I was doing. I want to say the word that I'm going to use is in a safe way, you know, safely for my heart, for my soul and for the services that I was providing. So I decided to step back and then continue in education. And I feel really happy, really, really happy. And it really felt like that was my journey now. Right. I did my journey for 13 years in that area. And now I mean, in all of them, right. I've been a midwife right. around five. So, um, but then now I moved to midwifery, to education, and then that led me to right now I'm the dean of one of the midwife schools that I went with my mentor, Jenny Joseph, which again is the only school founded and directed by a black midwife in America. And that is huge. And for me, that became, that at some point became my dream. It was like, okay, I'm navigating all this now this is the time when we give back to the people that had struggles for 40 years before us, but that opened the path for us. And I that's when you say, okay, so now I see you. I see you because I lifted. So now let me continue the legacy. I love and it. And thank you so much. And thank you, Sophia. We love you. And I think it's, she said on here is really awesome. That's, I really love what you all do and your passion. It's not easy finding medical professionals that I really like or to connect with i would love to trade come take a trip like we, yes. <laughs> listen we call the saint pete i'll show you all the places this is how i indoctrinated zoom when she first moved here i say you hungry what do you eat come on let's go so you know and and we love what we do and i and i want to give you all the flowers and i want y'all to say that again for the ones in the back who's the dean of common sense right? <laughs> yeah the only institute ran directed and made by a black woman what and Who's the dean? So to all the haters in Pinellas County, Hillsborough County, and all force, look what she did. Yes. 
So, you know, and that says a lot. And that is so beautiful to just keep people in mind that dreams change when you're doing birth work. Like it changes all the time. Thank you, Carla. And, you know, it, it, it says a lot about you. You didn't let it beat you when this could have beat you. And I feel like a lot of times midwifery has been set up when it comes to black and brown people to beat you. It, it'll break you down about trying to find preceptors. A lot of times you have white preceptors who are not, who have been dealt with their own biases with midwifery. Mm -hmm. And especially in Florida, there's not a lot of people who haven't been doing it in this area for very long. So you're dealing with a lot of different things and you still showed up. You still mm -hmm. kept going. You didn't give up. Mm -hmm. And you also, what I want other people to understand, you gave a platform, not just for me, but for a lot of black and brown midwives and birth workers to stand up and say, we're here and we're doing the work and we deserve to be compensated. We deserve to be seen and we deserve a shot just like everybody else does because we are out here doing the work, being with Common Sense and working with them as a doula mentor and and being in those spaces, it came with, through common sense, how we even met each other. And it made me go, and it was it's something beautiful to be like, someone, here's someone with you. And y'all can go ride it together and making the changes together. You're not on an island by yourself anymore. And to see your growth of you coming from the island then to coming into California, then coming into the jungles of St. Pete, because there's a whole jungle here, baby. You got to understand the culture of where I'm from, the people that made it, and to do here and to thrive your way. And, you know, I hope the listeners take that away more than anything. You can thrive. Your journey can be your own, and, it's, and it can be beautiful, and it can be rewarding, and it can be really hard, but to know the people are out here. So if people want to see your story, see your businesses, see about you, how do they see you? And also to get in connected with your school, if they want to be able to go to midwifery school or to just do follow-up care as doulas and birth workers, how do they reach you? What, how do we find you? Yes. Yeah, so Courtney, I will, I will share with you the information, but for the continuing education is www.kibi k-i-b-i-c-e-u.com and that's for continuing education and then for anyone that wants to even know more about becoming a midwife or yeah, or is interested in our program is uh, CCSM, Common Sense School of Midwifery. Um, and it is located in Florida, but you don't have, we, it's actually a national program. So we, you can be in other states. I mean, we're not in every single state, but please check out with me and, um, and still attend our school. I love it. Thank you so much, Zul, for coming and joining us today on According to Courtney and helping everyone fill your cup. I hope being here filled your cup because it definitely filled mine to just be like, you know, to see your partner in crime, to be working at this for five years. And I hope this is just a part of making you feel like you got your flowers today because you. you really deserve them. Thank you. You're so welcome. So uh, until next Saturday, everyone, thank you for showing up and coming to According to Courtney. And remember, fill your cup, take care of yourself. You're important, you're beautiful, and that you matter. Until next week. Thanks, you guys. You guys have a great week. Bye. Bye.